Darling, you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast with Bruce and Rina. My name is Soma Snake Oil. Delighted to be here today where you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. It was actually Emily and Warren Fitzgerald from uh, the Vandals, and they came up with this great idea to do a book together um, with, you know, the, the different artists from Punk Rock and Paintbrushes. And what's really great about the book is that it's it's this idea of outsiders' art or outsider artists, um, yeah. which I think is really important to to talk about. You know, within fringe communities, and you know, like I, I know this is a heavy metal show, um, you know, but for for us, it's you know, it's punk rock, and you know, I think that's what really kind of brings us together as a community is this idea of outsider art. Right. Um, so we all talked about. I haven't had the honor of reading everyone's stuff yet, but I've seen like little snippets of what's going on. And, um, you know, we, we kind of really dug in deep to our history. Some of us told some really, you know, like scandalous stories or, you know, like stories that you might not have heard before in interviews about like what it was like when we were kids and, you know, like, I, I know that some people talked about like being bullied or like feeling like outsiders in their own communities and how that progressed into into their art. Um, you know, I, I definitely told some stories that I have never talked about before um, in the um, the narrative aspects. And then and then there's there's photographs, you know, of our of our art. So, yeah. And I, go ahead. There's a really nice quote, just like, you know, a, a pickup there that says that the there's two things that scare you one is art and one is sex so you want to take both of them to the extreme to the edge and that is a that is a very cool way to think about stuff <laughs> and um so is that does that like depict you as a person perfectly that quote is that who you are just someone who really enjoys the extremes of things yeah i think so and you know i i, I mean you think about you know, some of these energies, like in sexuality, you know, that's what can really turn us on is if we are willing to really face some of some of the the shadows, some of the darker sides of things, or, you know, like really, really get intimate with ourselves and with others. Um, you know, like, I don't want a boring life. I want an authentic life, you know, like, <laughs> I think that's what kind of turns us on about, you know, whether it's it's music or art or, um, you know, like, for me, it's it's BDSM, you know, like, I'm a dominatrix. And, you know, like, that's, you know, you know, like, if it was, um, you know, sort of, um, you know, vanilla sex, you know, I could I could have the beige life, but I don't want that. Right. You know, I, I want something a little bit different. And and sometimes that's scary and sometimes that's vulnerable. And sometimes I have to be willing to cry and I, and that's OK, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I and I like that. And um, <clears throat> so a dominatrix, is that something that also then seeps into your art? Yeah. So my art, um, I 
I feel like I'm onto something with my art if um, it actually disturbs me, bothers me, I'm afraid to show it to the world, then I then I feel like I probably should show it. If I if it embarrasses me a little bit, um, then I, I feel like, oh, okay, I, I probably, hopefully this will, you know, connect with someone else, um, you know, and it, I feel like there's something about like, oh, okay, if I feel something here, someone else might feel something here because um, it's something about breaking open shame. You know, there's so much shame in our culture. There's so much stigma in our culture. And I feel like it's really, really important to push back against that by being willing to um, not be silent, you know, and there's so many amazing social movements around that. And we can, you know, really, um, you know, and, and it's like, it's not new in some ways, you know, like there were 70s feminists that did that in their art, you know, with the idea of like making the personal political. And there's some element to that in, in how I approach my art. And it's sort of almost like, um, I like to think of it as, as a journal entry, you know, like if it was as private as a journal entry, then I'm gonna plaster it all over the walls. I like to think of it also as like spreading my legs open. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that would make a good piece of art, hopefully. Yeah, I like that. I like that comparison. It's it's really cool. And um, I had something, but I, I lost my trail of thought. I'm sorry, we do a lot of these and I'm yeah. in Finland. So for me, it's close to bedtime. (laughs) I can jump in real quick then. So my... It'll come back to me. It was a smart thought. I promise. Yes, get that smart thought. (laughs) I'll jump in real quick. I think the best thing that... The best quote out of there was the the opening quote. I'm going to read it. The mess is where we find freedom. I never made it to art school. And it carries on from there. So you never had any professional training at all you just kind of jumped right in and learned from mentors is that what I'm assuming yeah from mentors and and also just from myself and being willing to make mistakes and I think that's so important for all of us is just to be willing to you know be self-taught and absorb from other artists and and really just to like get in there just do it and not be not be afraid of, um, you know, this idea we have, we have so much, um, you know, it's like this need to technically be good. You don't have to technically be good to create. You can just create, Um, you know, and it's like, for me, there's a little bit of a anti-capitalist, like working class aspect to that, you know, like I didn't have time to go to an art school or, you know, like a a university, I was a single mom um, surviving, you know, much of that time on sex work, you know, sometime in restaurants. And I would have loved to go to an art school, but that was not the path that, you know, was given to me. So, you know, I dragged some stuff out of the trash and slapped some paint on it (laughs) and found my voice. And anyone can do that, you know, like, don't let the establishment um, ruin your creativity or your voice or some bullshit ideas from the art community about what art is. You know, that's like another form of oppression and capitalism. Um, so just make shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, completely agree. I've done that all my life. I'm, I'm also a single mom. I have like very little like 
high level education. I, I can't really tell you what it is because it doesn't translate the Finnish school system. But anywho, I, I don't have a fancy degree on anything, but have climbed pretty high on the like you know even the day job ladder. Let's put I it that. that. But I have my smart thought now. Listen, it's extremely smart. Yes, that is. <laughs> you mentioned shame. And I think it's really interesting because shame is a needed social construct for our society mm. to work, for people to be able to function as groups. Shame is something that directs our behavior into a direction where we are not going to be abandoned or, or somehow ostracized and thus die because we need the other people to survive. But there is the other aspect of it, which is mm. the one that hinges, which is the one that paralyzes and really stops you from doing those things that you were just describing. And this is something that I find so interesting that like, you know, that that just studying the texture of shame. Have you ever thought of that, like doing that in your art? Because I would say that, you know, in your work as a dominatrix, the shame is is a positive driver for your client, if I'm not mistaken. So there's like so many aspects to shame that makes it extremely interesting as a state and as an emotion and as please tell me I'm super smart. You are super smart. I love this. No, I love having a conversation about this too because I I think it's it's really interesting because there's there there is the aspect of shame where you know uh, stigma can drive whole groups of people into the ground. It can be oppressive. You know, you look at um you know for example people who use drugs and the stigma that is enacted or sex workers for example where there's like the war on drugs that is actually the war on people or the war on poverty that's the war on people the war on trafficking that's actually the war on sex workers and this is like shame of society used to oppress and criminalize and put people in jail right but then like you said there's more nuance to it and you know i might make part of my living based on some of some of that nuance of shame um humiliation consensual shame where it might be exciting and sexy or sometimes i think public caning might be wonderful you know to like deter people from certain acts you know or behavior you know that rather than putting people in prison, maybe let's give them a public spanking. I'm ready to sign up for that job. I already know how to do it, you know? <laughs> Pro bono work. Everybody Pro bono. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like like you're saying, um, you know, so exploring the texture of different kinds of shame. It's yeah. really fascinating. I like so, it. So I'm looking at the book here as we speak and I notice, and. I mean, I guess not a secret, but you include with your artwork, you also include, I don't know if it's a story or a narrative or poems. Do you think that's essential to what you're, is that, first of all, is that in most of your artwork? And second, do you think that's essential to what you're putting out? I do. Um, You know, in particular for me, I think there's something about sharing stories and, um, <clears throat> I talk so much, I, uh, I'm already losing my voice. I'm, I'm yelling <laughs> over here, excuse me. Um, yeah, for me, the written word is is really very important and really powerful. And there's something about sharing stories where it's, you know, the story that I, I tell 
you know, when you read it, you might see your story in it and it might evoke a completely different set of emotions for you and, and, and memories. And um, you may have a conversation with your friends and, and um, it, it leads to all sorts of different things. Um, so yeah, for, for me, it, it's, it's very much about, um, you know, sort of mixing words and, and images together because I think it, that it's almost like, um, you know, like, like we used to sit around campfires and, and tell each other stories. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's incredibly powerful sharing those narratives together and having those conversations. I, I, I do believe in storytelling as much as possible. So, yeah. I 100% agree with you. I think we've sort of gotten away from that in the culture, but I, I don't know if you've paid any attention, but there's a website out of New York called the uh, Humans of New York. And mm. it's all just a narrative driven video thing where they just stop people on the street homeless people wherever they are and they just get stories and the stories are so raw and emotional and real it, you can connect to it it's so cool well that's humanizing too right then we yeah. actually really connect with each other as people and um i, I think our it, we where there can be issues that are devices divisive and we might not hear each other when it's story driven we can connect in a different way yeah i 100 agree Mm -hmm. Completely. And this is something, well, I love that, you know, obviously in the art circle, people know that stories are important and, and that people can connect to them. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician, so my, my way of telling these stories is through the lyrics and, and through, through song and so on. But like, you know, that this has now been adopted already, the story thinking to the corporate world, mm. like, you know, to the brand building, which is what I do as a day job. Uh, is, is like it's all about the stories so like it's not only like the the human part of it but you know because I, I see i should probably be saying this because i am in the corporate world but <laughs> I, it's, it's kind of like this monster that feeds off of the humanity of mm. people and they've now like you know recognized the importance of stories and it's now used to monetize things mm. and it's now used to sort of because art is pure. Art is something that comes from the heart, from the soul. You can't do it unless your core is in it. But you can do all sorts of things for money. And I'm talking about the corporate world where your heart doesn't need to be in it. And if you can still spin a nice story around it, it's going to work just as well than the art. You know? And this is why people hire people like me, I guess. <laughs> you know? God, I'm ruining my career on this podcast now. But, but <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm also a single mom, so it's just two people yeah. starting. Oh, no, but it's an interesting point that you make. I mean, we see that with everything in capitalism, right? The Whether it's art or spirituality or, I mean, even like with the mindfulness mm. movement, becoming very popular and and going into you, you know like whether i i I'm, I'm just picking a company google i i don't know whatever but it becoming so mainstream that in corporate companies um everyone's doing mindfulness to be better at um you know i don't know selling stocks whatever it is selling tech right. um where it's as you know it's like originally it you know came from the east and you know people sort of being actually anti-capitalist, right? Like it's not that at all at its core, but it's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
It's, yeah. And it's so disturbing because, like, you know, instead of paying people a livable wage, <laughs> making sure that they have the time and the people resources to do their job well so they're not, like, overwhelmed with, with like, crazy amounts of overtime and so on. Now these companies are offering these band-aids of, like, here, have a mindfulness course. It's not us. It's you. <laughs> like, you're right. just not managing your head in this crazy crazy demanding and increasingly demanding world and setting of capitalism and you were so right before when you said uh about the war on drugs and the war on human trafficking and so on that these are actually just mislabeling things and, it's, and i find that this is like very much comparable to what i'm talking about now that it's not employee well-being it's greenwashing you know it's it's managing greenwashing with these with these same sort of aspects and skills and i'm losing my english words because i'm finished sorry you're doing <laughs> but, great you're doing great <laughs> but I yeah do, i like to think of it in in harm reduction perspectives though because it, you know it even if there's there are all the negative effects of of capitalism and all of that but then you know good stories between people being shared and, you know, mindfulness. And so hopefully there are the positive effects and positive change that happens along the way as, as well. So. Yeah. Cause this is the thing, even, even if someone is slapped with mindfulness as a bandaid for a toxic work environment or something like that, it doesn't mean that they can draw something actually good and beneficial. I thought I'd, put all of these away but um yeah but it doesn't mean that they couldn't draw something actually beneficial to their lives from that thing even though like the premise is a little messed up in the beginning you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. did you ever have you ever found a or worked on a piece and found that it was too vulnerable to put out or too i probably just messed up that word vulnerable Sorry, i like I it have you ever had that kind of where I can't, this is just going to be private or do you just go all in and throw it all out there? There's one piece that I'm actually looking at across the room right now. And it's, it's a piece that I did on um, survival sex. And the photograph is, it's a photograph of me burning myself with a cigarette cigarette. And, um, you know, and, and in the piece, I describe having sex with multiple people Um and, you know, and at the time I was unhoused and, um, you know, and it, it was like to go inside for a period of time when it was very cold and, um, you know, it's, it's like a really intense piece right. and to talk about all of that stuff, um, you know, like publicly and the piece is like bigger than, you know, like it's, it's larger than me, you know, right. it's like huge. And um, when I first started working on that, I was actually, I was staying in a hotel in New York and I was working on the musical Home Street Home with my, um, with my ex-husband, um, Fat Mike. And, you know, we were, you know, it, it was like whenever I, I was not working on the musical, I was going back to the hotel and I was working on this piece. And I had planned on dropping it in, um, uh, oh my God, Times Square. And I was just going to like leave it as, cause it was like freezing cold at the time. And I, I was thinking about like other, um, women who might be engaging in survival sex at the time to stay warm. 
Um, and, and I just thought I'm going to leave it out there, you know, like outside, right. I don't need to sell this. I just want to like make a statement in you know, times square, like whatever, like why there? I, I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and then I chickened out. I was just like embarrassed. And then I was like, I don't know, whatever. Um, so I'd left it in the hotel room. So someone found the first version of it in my room and, you know, like probably threw it away and was like, this is some sassy shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I, I half finished it and I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, that like that speaks to, you know, like shame and embarrassment around, sexuality and like even though like I am such a loud mouth you know like I just say all of the stuff and I was embarrassed you know and I I think that that's important to to talk about because there's plenty of people where it's just like hard to even tell your partner about some of the things you might have gone through or you know and that's really hard um and then when I got back here probably a year later I was like fuck this I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna say my shit you know like I don't care if it makes it harder for me in the future. Like right. I'm, I'm going to speak my mind, you know? And I even had like fear of like, is this going to affect things for me with lovers in the future or, you know, and that's like one of the things that's really hard for people too, is like telling their sexual history and are they going to be judged and, you know, like by future lovers and shamed and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's one of the, reasons why I do speak up about things like this is like, don't fucking judge people for what they've been through. Fuck off. You're an asshole. If you judge people for what they've been through, you know? Right. Um, And like what they had to do to keep warm, because obviously it's a a stupid idea that for, to be an honorable woman, you should have just frozen to death. Yeah. Then then you would have done the right thing, you know, and like your, precious reputation or whatever your honor would have been intact and you would have been dead in a ditch you know yay totally. and, and, <laughs> and that... this is something that is deeply rooted in shame and I wish we could have done this entire episode on this and just like spin a lot of stories around shame but yeah that's I'm, I'm first of all I'm sorry to hear that you've been in that situation that you I had to like make those choices. I'm not sorry that you made the choices that you had to make, but I'm sorry that you had that difficult time in your life. Yeah. And then, you know, like, I also feel like, um, you know, there's, there's just, there's so much and, you know, that it's been talked about in so many different ways, but there's just so much, um, uh, that where, you know, like women's sexuality, and we'll talk about this in Women's History Month right now, where yes. women's sexuality is is viewed in such a different way, right? Um, and as an empowered sexual woman who is a sex worker, um, you know, I'm, I am happy more and more to own all of the parts of my sexuality as a polyamorous sex worker, BDSM person, kinky as fuck, who has a sexual history. And maybe I've fucked more people than you, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm happy to say that, you know, it's just like, 
you know, there's, there's that aspect too, where it's just like men's sexuality might be viewed different than women's sexuality as well, or, you know, like gender or like whatever binary, you know, fuck the binary too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can go on about that forever, but. So. <laughs> no, you're completely right. And I'm sorry. I know we're running out of time, but I, I really just like, I love that you're saying all the things that you're saying, because like, I've gone on these crazy rants on this podcast about female <laughs> sexuality and the shame aspects and everything while very confused musicians are staring at me digitally. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I just got to say how happy I am. Like today we've talked to Joanna Angel and you. So like, you know, that we oh, great. really now dived into the subject and I'm just so happy to get these voices out there because I agree 100% with everything that you've said. That's awesome. She's amazing too. Yeah, yeah, she was a great, we had a great time talking to her. Anyway, tying this right back into the book and then we'll finish up real quick. How did you pick the, uh, the submissions you put in uh, the book? How did I, how did I, what? did you, did you do them just for the book or were they, did you select them from your artwork already? I selected them from my artwork already. Um, the more recent one is, is a piece called um, I Am the Other Woman, which is pretty in theme. I'm with, looking at that right now. With some of the stuff that's going on with our conversation. And, um, and I, you know, I, I really feel good about that one because, you know, it's this idea of um, owning this persona of being the other woman, I think is really quite strong. This is a very stigmatized idea in society, being the other woman. And, you know, there's, it's like, what I mean by that is, is being a sex worker, um, and, and sort of really being out and upfront about being a sex worker, and not being a threat to a wife or a girlfriend, um, which I think is really important and different than like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat with um your boyfriend or your whatever it's it's like no this is work and um therapeutic work and i don't have any interest in your partner um i'm here to do my work and i want him to go back to you at the end of the night and be good to you um and not be an asshole um so yeah i I like that that piece and um yeah you know looking at that right now that's a powerful anyway yeah Anyway, we definitely have to wrap up because that was a great conversation. I wish we had more time. Thank you. Take care, y'all. Be well. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh, yeah. And pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.